Welcome once again to the Pace and Space podcast. We are continuing our season preview series for the 2017-2018 season. We previously previously have recorded episodes for the Pacific and Northwest divisions the past couple weeks. So if you missed those, feel free to go back and uh, check those out. But tonight we are going to be covering the last of the divisions in the Western Conference, but by no means the least, the Southwest Division. Leif, uh, how are you feeling about getting into the Southwest Division tonight? Man, I've been looking forward to this one as well. We have some good teams. A few of these teams have done some work. And so I feel like we're going to have a good conversation this evening. Yeah, we have a division which sports one of the newer quote-unquote super teams in the division. And also, you wouldn't call it a super team, but it definitely produces like a super team as well as a couple other teams that have a lot of questions where they seem to be at crossroads in in their paths to building a contender or attempted plans to building a contender. And we've got one other team who's maybe finally starting to build from the bottom up once again, and that's an interesting time for them as well. But we're going to do as we always do. We're going to start start with the best team in the division from last year's results and work our way down to the bottom team in the division from last year's results. And we're going to ask a couple of questions. We're going to talk about X-Factors, who are the players that we're most looking forward to watching on that team that we're talking about, and ultimately where do we see this team most likely ending at in at the end of the season basically and to begin we're going to start with the san antonio spurs the spurs are pretty much rolling the back again with a similar team that they had from last year they they brought the band back so they say but one key difference uh jonathan simmons who was kind of a breakout player for the Spurs last year, uh, left in free agency this summer to join the Orlando Magic. And replacing him, they brought in Rudy Gay, a veteran guy who's coming off uh, an Achilles injury. So that's going to be interesting to see uh, what he can do. A player who was one time uh, a star in this league, but is now kind of in even a worse situation than Melo where people just don't really feel like he fits anymore in the league and they don't really know what his value is. But uh, just to kick things off, I'm going to start start it off with you, Leif. Who is your X factor for the San Antonio Spurs? All right. So I gave a lot of thought on this one. And I think the X factor has to be altered. Mm. And I choose him because last, last year in the playoffs or this in the playoffs, he went missing. Right. And he had an opportunity to show that he was worth what he was getting paid. He was had the potential to take over for that team, and he didn't. He came out very small. And I think his performance really stunk, for lack of a better term. So... I'm looking at him as the player who needs to step it up, and he's going to be needed in order for the Spurs to take 
that next step. And I know we can talk about Kawhi. Kawhi is good. He's, he's a great player. And we know what we're going to get from him. But it can't all rely on him. And like you said, they brought the band back together again. They they have Gasol and they they have Parker and they got Ginobili. They got these these same guys back again. But it's going to be Aldridge. He's the player who we all thought was going to be the one to put it all together. So can he do it? I mean, that's the question we have to ask. That's a good one, and I think he is going to be a, a key figure for them this season, um, whether in a good way or a bad way. Uh, like you said, they really were looking for that, that second star to supplement Kawhi, and, and he just really turned out to be lacking in that in that department. But he has to, he has to step up this year because if you're looking – at the roster, he is the second best player on this team. Um, and we'll have to see if that is for better or worse. So I like that. Uh, my my X factor is going to be DeJounte Murray. Mm. He's going to be coming into his second year. He showed some promise as a rookie, but in limited action. And the reason I feel like he's an X factor is because I'm looking to see if DeJounte Murray is going to be Another one in a long line of breakout players for San Antonio. Is he going to come in this year after a full season under Pop's coaching, under lear- after learning the system, learning all that? And is, is he going to emerge as a key player on this team, perhaps even a starting quality player on this team? Because his primary position is point guard. And if he breaks out to the level where he's a, a capable starter, for this team and Patty Mills can can fall back into that um sixth man um spark plug instant offense guy off the bench they answer a lot of questions at the point guard position then if DeJounte Murray is able to to fill in there Tony Parker's on his last legs like we said they they brought back Patty Mills at a good amount of money but he's he's not really a playmaker he is a scorer he's a shooter He's a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a guy that if you need points, he'll get you points. But he's not really somebody that can run an offense. DeJounte Murray, if he can show these things, they'll have answered that question. And I think that'll be very interesting to see because there were some prominent point guard names attached to the Spurs this summer. And they ended up either not getting or not going after any of these guys. Uh, Chris Paul to the Spurs was a rumor. Kyle Lowry to the Spurs was another potential uh, rumor that we were hearing. Even a guy like Jeff Teague had some buzz to the Spurs, and they ended up with none of those guys. And instead, they have this trifecta of Tony Parker, Patty Mills, and DeJounte Murray. And I think DeJounte Murray is really the the focal point of that discussion because he is a second-year player. He's shown some upside. I think he arguably could have been a steal at the at the place he was drafted in when they got him um two years ago he's six five he's got a lot of length he's got some good athleticism so is he if he's able to be a starting quality quality point guard then you know i know you get you get tired of hearing this but like once again the spurs machine keeps rolling you know it does but my problem with murray is while i was surprised to see him drop in last year's draft to to the spurs um, the question I have is, will Pop give him the opportunity to actually show what he can do? 
And we did see a little bit of that, but you are dealing with Parker. You like you said, you do have Patty Mills. I think Patty Mills is going to get some more run. Oh yeah, he is. Um, and and so what you're going to get is you're going to get a few minutes of Murray. He's going to have to fight for his minutes. Honestly, that might be a little rough for him. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's a matter. I guess it'd be a matter of him remaining motivated. If he can remain motivated and take advantage of the time he's given and earn more, I I can back him as an X factor. Right. I mean, he he did get it was limited his, his playing time. It did increase as the season went along. Um, but I mean, you know, Pop is a guy that he he will play guys you didn't think he was going to play once they they show him what they can do in in training camp and in practice he he did it with Jonathan Simmons he did it with Danny Green he did it with Danny Mills i mean there's a long list of guys that you know once you you do what pops ask, asking you to do you get on the court and you get and you surprise people a lot of the, a lot of times too i i think his minutes won't be I know Patty Mills is going to get more minutes. I agree with you. I think DeJounte Murray and Patty Mills' minutes are going to come more at the expense of Tony Parker's. I don't think we're going to see as much of Tony Parker as we're used to seeing. One, he's come, he's going to be coming back from injury. Two, I think, I think you're going to see a situation where unless you only give him like about 15 minutes, 18 minutes a game, you're not going to see a Tony Parker that's effective. I think that you, they're going to have to just run him out in little spurts and just let him do what he can and, and go full full bore, knowing he only, he's only going to play a little, little bit of time instead of trying to stretch him out to a 25, 30-minutes-per-game per, guy, and then he kind of has to pick his spots. I, I, think, I think we're going to see a different role for Parker moving forward, especially seeing uh, depending how he looks coming off that injury. So I, I think this is really an opportunity where there are minutes to to gain if you're DeJounte Murray, even with uh, an added workload for Patty Mills. I think Patty Mills' minutes are going to come more from that, that Parker, Tony Parker well of minutes, and not necessarily at, at, at the detriment to DeJounte Murray. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, I guess we'll see that in the preseason, how they plan to use Parker. Yeah, if they plan to use him in that role. Yeah, I can see it. But it is going to be interesting because they didn't get they didn't get any of these point guards they were rumored to get. So, what Dejounte Murray is capable of doing is, is going to is going to be, I think, uh, a deciding a decisive uh, topic for the Spurs because if if Dejounte Murray is just not looking like he's anything more than like perhaps a bench player. Then you know people might start looking around and say, "Wow, you didn't get Lowry, you didn't get, you didn't get Chris Paul, you didn't even get Jeff Teague, and, and this guy's just a bench player. What are you gonna do moving forward? Patty Mills gonna be your starting point guard for the next couple of years? That that might be tough. It, it will be. It will be. But again, you know, it's still a, it's still a question. I, I wish I can go in, in Pop's head and figure out what he's going to do, but yeah. So, but I guess that leads us to our next question. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so let you kick it off again. Who's the player you're most looking forward to watch play on the San Antonio Spurs this year? I'm curious to see what Rudy Gay has to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It, he, he's very motivated. Um, he 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 still he's he's said a few things over the summer that makes makes you believe that he's being overlooked and that he still has something left in the tank. Mm. And so coming off injury, I'm just curious to see what he can do. Yeah, that's the big question, right? The injury, the Achilles injury, you know, how much athleticism does he still have at this point? I mean, even if he's not the same athletically, I mean, he is still like 6'9", 6'10", I think. He, he could, he'll he still manage. But uh, is he going to have that X factor or dynamic quality that the Spurs need is the question, right? That's the question. And is he going to be that six man off the bench? Yeah, like I what's would, his role? Yeah, he's probably going to be that. Not even because you got Ginobili. Right. Um, so, yeah. So stretch he's going to get. Think he plays some stretch four? I mean, he can get some backup minutes behind Aldridge and Kawhi. I mean, I, I think optimally, optimally you're looking to see if you can play him and Kawhi together on the court. I think that's probably how you get the most out of Rudy Gay. And yeah. And then you have to see if Aldridge and Gasol could play the five well enough so that you can run that lineup out there, you know? Right. If you can if you can get a lineup where you have um Kawhi Gay and Aldridge on the floor at the same time. That's not bad. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think that's bad. And and let's not take away from Rudy Gay. Before his injury, he was still performing. Yeah, he, I mean he can he, play. Yeah, he, he can play. So if he can come back and do that in a pop system, you know, I think that's good. You know, that's that's something that I would want to see. Very true, very true. So Rudy Gay, I, I like that pick. I like that choice. I'm going to go with, I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer, but I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard as the player I'm most looking forward to watch on this team. And the reason I'm picking Kawhi is, my question is, is this the year Kawhi wins MVP? And that's why I'm looking forward to seeing Kawhi Leonard he was his name came up last year. He was he was a uh, he was a hot pick for for some people. He's got the two way thing going on. He's a dominant defender, and now he's a dominant offensive player. He, he's le- added a lot more to his offensive game, and he really carried that team last year. When you look, think about it, the, the team was a sixty plus win team, and he was really the only true consistent offensive force on that team while being, like, the best wing defender in the league still. So now, this year, um, you know, James Harden has Chris Paul now. Westbrook has Paul George now. Some, you know, some of that is going to take away from those guys' MVP claims this year, I think, because they're gonna, now that they have, you know, rightfully more help, you know, deservedly so they have more help. But I think when a team or a player gets more help, people tend to look away at the star player as an MVP candidate unless that team is just like the Warriors, you know, and they're like clearly the best team and this player is the best player on that team. So 
I think this could be a real chance for Kawhi to walk away with MVP this year. I would like to see it. And we've, we've had a lot of conversations about Kawhi in the past. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago saying that he's not going to be a star in this league. And now I am regretting the fact that I said that. <laughs> um, every time I see him and every time I see his stat line, I know that you're in the background, you're just grinning and like, you know, like you told me so. You're right. You, you got me on that. <laughs> I, I would like to see him. He's, he's one of those players that when you watch him, he does it on both sides of the court. It, and of course, he may not be the most, you know, spectacular player, the most, you know, the player who's going to get all the attention. He's not going to be the the Westbrooks or the Curry shooting from everywhere. But, I mean, you look at the league leaders, you look at every – he's there. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I know we're going to talk about who we think should be MVP and do our our preseason predictions, but he's one of my candidates. Oh, yeah. He definitely is. He definitely is one of my candidates as well. I mean, he's only going to be 26 this season. And, yeah, I mean, he's only 26 years old. He's coming into his, just entering the f- beginning stage of his prime. And he's coming off a 25.5 points per game season with almost two steals, six rebounds, three and a half assists. And, you know, his shooting numbers are very good and you know the guy the guy is just I don't know what else you can expect from him but at the same time like his team they didn't they didn't improve enough where you could say that they're going to compete with these other top teams unless Kawhi does something phenomenal again this year because even last year, when you look at that team, I mean, they won, like, over 60 games, and you're like, how did they do that? And a lot of it was because of how good Kawhi was for them last year. And I think the same is going to be true this year. We're going to look at, we're going to look up again, and Spurs, I mean, I'll just go into my most likely scenario now because it ties into what I'm saying about Kawhi, but they're going to be top two, top three in the West again, I, I, would, I would say. And... People are going to be like, how did they do that? And I think it's because Kawhi's going to hit another gear yet again this year, maybe even become like a 28-point-per-game kind of guy still playing this great defense. And, I mean, if he does that, I, it's going to be hard to see. Who's, it's going to be hard to pick a, a, a more deserving MVP candidate if he's able to yeah. do that. Yeah. So since you already touched on best-case scenario, I will concur with that. I can definitely see them. Um, anywhere from two to four. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anywhere between two and four. I, I, I still think I still got to see what Houston's gonna do. Um, they're one who I keep watching, and and at the same time, um, I'm also curious to see what OKC will do. And so mm-hmm. that's why I have to put them in that two to four. And plus, San Antonio is getting older. And they haven't done much to get younger. And the player that we are talking about, they're adding, is a player who's coming off a torn Achilles. And in his 11th or 12th NBA season at this point. Exactly. And so that was their offseason 
you know, acquisition that they had. So could their veteranship bring it all together? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And what I will say, though, is this was this was not a great summer for the Spurs. This wasn't your typical like, oh, Spurs got another interesting player type of summer. In fact, this is one of the years where they they saw one of those players leave. Jonathan Simmons, he brought a lot to the table for them last year. And uh, he kind of made the shortcomings of Aldridge all season not be as big because he ended up being a better player than people thought he would be, that being Jonathan Simmons. And he went to he, he left in free agency, he went to Orlando. But the, the Orlando signed him for three-year, 20 mil. I got to say, I don't think that's crazy money for him. And I'm kind of surprised that, one, I'm kind of surprised that no team was able to beat Orlando's offer. And two, I'm surprised the Spurs didn't, didn't counter that to bring him back. Even if they offered him the same amount, I'm sure Simmons would have came back. He would. And he was showing some stuff. He was showing that he he, he had a little baller in him. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the youth that they could have used. But, yeah, they could have they brought him back. Yeah. Part, part yeah. of me also says that Simmons also wanted the challenge to go somewhere else at the same time. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, also, too, I think what happened with San Antonio is they realized that, you know, this guy was a 27-year-old sophomore in the NBA and might have just kind of peaked and were all right with moving on from him. And, you know, his his numbers weren't great. They don't jump off the table at you. I mean, he, he was a quality player, though. He, he stepped up in, in some in some nice moments for the team. So, but, yeah, I, I, I thought that it would have been interesting for him to stay there with the Spurs because we might have seen him hit another – hit another gear with this team and for three years 20 mil I, I thought like maybe you you could have uh brought him back for that wasn't really breaking the bank but they chose to move on and they they signed rudy gay instead and we'll have to see if they're going to be better off from that i mean technically if you go from Jonathan simmons to rudy gay i mean that's an upgrade right but in most cases yeah in most cases uh so we'll have to see we'll have to see what Rudy Gay can do. I mean, he has some good numbers for for Sacramento. Um but and he's improved in his three-point shooting. He was 37% shooter last year from 3. So he could end up being perhaps better for for them in the long term, but I, it was just a little surprising they moved on from him to me. Yeah, I, I don't lose too much sleep over Jonathan Simmons. I just thought he was a player who can get better. Right. Um, but, hey, maybe they have a plan. So I'm not going to knock Pop. Yeah, that's the thing with the Spurs. You you always kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt. But uh, this was, this yeah, this was one of those that I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. Maybe they might uh, they might regret this one. But we'll see. Uh, now let's move forward. Let's let's go move on to the team that finished right behind them in the division and the team who 
may or may not surpass them this year, that being the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets made a little trade this summer. Um, they got Chris Paul brought over to them in the the ultimate for the ultimate poo poo platter any team could ever offer another team. I mean, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, great players, but then you know Daryl Morey found like five hundred other like early termination contracts he could find and just added them up so to make the money work and there you go now they have chris paul and they're looking but it's hard they're trying to find a way to get mellow to the team but right now this is their team so the houston rockets they come in with some changes and just gonna go right into it with you again uh, who's the x factor to you on this incarnation of the houston rockets For me, that's a good question. Uh, the X factor to me is going to be. See, he's not even on the team yet. I want to say Melo. <laughs> hmm. He's going to but, Portland. We already said he's going to Portland. He's though. going to Portland. But you know what? Here's what here's what I heard today, and I heard when they were talking to his family about the state of Carmelo being on New York, we heard a whole bunch of, I heard heard them saying that right now, Melo and his family is in, is, is in Houston mentally. Mm. So they're there. That's, that's where they're all going. And there was even a report from Woj, which to me it's fact, that there should be a trade by Monday. Hmm. Did you hear that? I... You know what? Sorry, I didn't read that today. Oh, I am breaking news to you. Yes, you are. I completely missed that. It was a long day. I was looking for this dentist's office. I finally found it. Got my daughter to the dentist today. I had a long day. but So, Mello, it looks like he's pretty much a done deal for Houston then. Not even a, not necessarily a done deal, but... The they the Knicks do not want to bring this into the to the preseason, and the preseason starts next week, mm-hmm. I believe. So there's a chance that this is going to happen sooner rather than later, and everything points to Houston being where they're going to go. So, so with that said, if everything's true, um, and and trust me, Hoodie Mello can still go to Portland. But I'm gonna go with the original Melo going to Houston. So they're two different. They're two different people, man. They're two different people. Did you see how they play? Did you, did you see them? They're two different people. Oh my gosh, this is funny. Yeah. So and right like, now, mm-hmm. yeah, and right now you have Olympic Melo out there playing overseas in, in Israel. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place right now. Uh-huh. Melo is three different people right now. <laughs> now that is breaking news. That right there. That is the real breaking news. So, okay. So your X Factor is, is Melo presuming he finds his way on the Houston Rockets. Presuming he finds his way. Okay. I still don't I still don't know how that trade is gonna work when nobody is gonna take Ryan and Anderson. I, I don't see the Knicks finally just 
acquiescing and saying, fine, we'll take this crappy player and his expensive contract. But I, I don't know either. I don't stranger know wants things them. have happened, I guess. So, so I mean, if you don't want the distraction and if you feel that this is now going to be Porzingis' team and if you're ready to bring in Car- um, Carmelo's replacement and Michael Beasley, then just go. Yeah, I mean, I already <laughs> Michael. First of all, Michael Beasley as Melo's replacement is hilarious, but <laughs> you heard what he said, right? He's yeah. just Melo from the left side. Yep, I know, I know. I heard it. I heard what he said. I heard he says, you know. I mean, we can't get. We're not going to get into this now because I can already tell that the Atlantic Division preview is probably going to run way too long as of right now, but. So Melo's your X Factor. Let's, let's move forward. Let's leave it like that. My X Factor for the Houston Rockets is Mike D'Antoni. Okay. Why? Tell me. Well, one is he he lost a lot of the players that fit him. You know, Patrick Beverly, catch and shoot, doesn't really need to hold the ball. James Harden was his point guard. And he and Patrick Beverly helped with something that he doesn't have an affinity for, which is defense. Lou Williams was another guy that fit his system very well, good scorer and the like. Sam Decker was another guy that fit his system. He was a small forward, but he had the height where you could he could play the small ball stretch four. You know he likes playing small forwards at the four to to space out the four, the court. And he especially helped when Ryan Anderson ended up being a dud in a lot of different games. So he's he's lost the depth, and Dan Tony's a depth guy. He he needs about eight or nine guys who can kind of all do the same thing, and that's when he's effective. So you've taken that away from him, and now you've given him the half court hero that is Chris Paul, and Dan Tony's system worked impeccably with James Harden. As the point guard, I mean, James James Harden was basically Dan Tony's on-court avatar. He doesn't want to do anything but shoot a three-pointer or go to the free-throw line. And, and that's Dan Tony's M.O. to a T. And now you bring in Chris Paul, who I really do believe presents fills a need on this team to be able to play half-court, to be able to, to take that mid-range shot when it's there and to be able to read the game when the when it slows down they need all those things my question is can D'Antoni properly execute this this team now with Chris Paul and his strengths and how they not they don't really play into a typical Mike D'Antoni team yes your answer is yes he can yeah he can do it where's your evidence of that I know you look at the past. I I know what you're saying, but this this can happen. This is gonna work. I mean, it could. Yes, it could. But my the reason he's my X factor is I want he has to prove that he can do it, and I, and this is gonna be a big part of their season this year. Right, and and and, and right now you're saying you have Harden and, and Chris Paul and Eric Gordon. And Trevor Ariza. It's a good team. It's a good team. It's a a good team, you know. And you have Gordon coming off the bench. And you you still have Ariza. You still have P.J. Tucker. I mean, 
yeah, PJ Tucker. <laughs> It, it, it's it's a good it's a decent it's a good team and what he what d'antoni didn't have before is he had he didn't have a guy like harden now i'm still curious to see how the harden and chris paul dynamic works we saw a little bit of it yeah during the off season during the pickup games it looked good for those few highlights right right and they, they they could figure out how to play together, but my but my thing is, Harden is not going to be Harden this year. He can't be. No, he can't, he can't be. be. He just you know it, it just the the math just doesn't work for him to still be the Harden he was last year. Now you have Chris Paul, and you wouldn't necessarily use Chris Paul the way D'Antoni used James Harden last year. I don't think that is the smartest way to use Chris Paul. So is your thing more so can't – so I know what you said about him being an X factor, but are you also concerned on how he, you can juggle these two players, making knowing these are two ball-dominant guards mm-hmm. who like to create – we already know how Harden is. Harden is the kind of guy who he wants to hold the ball, do what he has to do, boogie, and then – find yeah. that open guy and yeah that's yeah. his game i mean so much of what james harden does is based on the pick and roll he does right, so much is... i mean and he was and that was even a big part of his game before d'antoni came in because he really never had a a a true point guard to play alongside since he's been in houston and right. now you brought one and you 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 didn't bring you deserve you didn't just bring a true point guard you brought the point god over to the team and Chris Paul. Yeah. And and my thing is, he's had players, he's had, pro- D'Antoni has had a problem with players that are similar, that have a similar mindset to Chris Paul. You know, first and foremost, he had a big issue with Carmelo Anthony when he was on the Knicks. Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony don't play the same way. They're different players. But they come. They they are cut from the same cloth. That is why they're friends. They come with the same mentality, and is that a mentality that works well for Mike D'Antoni? Like Mike D'Antoni, that whole thing did not go well in L.A. When you had Powell, Dwight Howard, Kobe, all those guys together. I mean, funny enough, the the hardest personality, Kobe, actually thrived in D'Antoni's system, but. You know, he just couldn't find a way to use really good players like Pau Gasol. Like, he just didn't know what to do with a guy like Pau Gasol. And when you look at Pau Gasol's skill set, like, how could D'Antoni not find a way to effectively use that guy? And here you have Chris Paul, who's another guy who's not a shoot-first player per se. He's a pass-first player, but he plays a totally different way. He plays a way I think this team needs, especially at playoff time. I am just I I just wonder if this is all going to work well for D'Antoni. I think there's going to be a I think there's going to be a learning curve here, and and that's why you know I we'll get into where I most likely most likely scenario a little later. But I am not a hundred percent sure this just all clicks at least not right away, and I wonder how long it takes to click, and I wonder if. This is going to go well for D'Antoni while they're still trying to click. I'm confident it'll go well. well I, I, you're confident, D'Antoni. You you like D'Antoni. 
I have seen I him. I wouldn't go as far as say that I like. You, you're a D'Antoni fan. You're his biggest fan. We all know that, Leif. <laughs> sure, sure. That's what you want to say. I mean, he has a very exciting brand of basketball. I'll put it like that. Yeah, yeah. But we've seen we've seen it go bad with him with prominent superstars in the past. And they just brought in another very prominent superstar and a superstar who can be kind of grading in the locker room. He's a great player, but that's the word on Chris Paul. He can be a little difficult. We know he didn't go get along well with Blake Griffin. We know he's a guy that's like constantly in the ref's ears, constantly drawing, and he kind of makes your the team he's on a little hard to like a bit and now he's coming into this situation i'm not saying he's gonna i'm not saying he's gonna be a diva and he's gonna like try and cause dissension but he's gonna he's gonna want to play the way he plays the way he knows works well for him and the way he has had a moderate amount of success to his credit and this is not a franchise that can say we know how to do it better than you because of xyz i mean unless they want to th- throw in his face the 3-1 comeback True. True. So I just wonder how it's going. This isn't like him going to the Spurs. See, if he went to the Spurs and he could say, I'm used to doing this, this, and that, Pop, I mean, if it came down to him, he could he could throw the rings on the table and say, This is what works. Then Tony Rockers organization, they can't say that. I mean, part of the reason they made this trade is because they know how how badly they got exposed in the half court game in the playoffs. And Chris Paul's gonna come in here like you need me. I'm the only one here that can do what you guys need to get over the hump. And if they don't, if they don't play to that, there could be some problems. And is James Harden and Chris Paul basically gonna take turns, or are they gonna like figure out a way where both of them are effective together? Especially when you're taking so much away from what makes James Harden effective in the pick and roll. Like Chris Paul needs the pick and roll. James Harden needs the pick and roll. So they, that's that's gonna be a a touchy dynamic. And then, you know, is Chris Paul gonna push the push the tempo as much as D'Antoni prefers? Like the way James Harden did last year. I don't think he is. I think he's going to be a little more opportunistic with the pace, and he's gonna try and change change speeds to kind of keep the defense guessing and is that something that Dan Tony's going to be okay with these these I think are are valid basketball questions not really getting into you know locker room stuff not even really getting into personality quirks I think this is I think there are actual real philosophical things that could present a problem here even if everyone likes each other so is it more Dan Tony or is it more? Chris well, he Paul? has to be the one to he has to be the one to make it all work. He's the head coach. Okay. I mean, yeah, Chris Paul's superstar. You know, James Harden's superstar, but your coach is there to make it all work. If he can't make it all work, then he's not an effective head coach. For you know, there's X and there's X's and O's and there's all that, but at the end of the day. Can your coach get buy-in from all the players, including the superstars? And he's had trouble with that in the past. So that's why he's my X Factor. Fair enough. Ooh, some back and forth. I like it. All right. 
So let's just move. Let's move forward. Let's move forward on this. Who is your the player you're most looking forward to watch play on this team? Man, see now we had all this back and forth, and yeah. So it's hard for me now to say I want to see Chris Paul. <laughs> no, this is perfect. That's perfect. Ties right I'm, in. Yeah, I want to see Chris Paul on this team. Yeah, I, I think he. I, and honestly, for all the reasons you kind of mentioned, I want to see Chris Paul to see how he plays in this thing. And he he said the right things. He he said that you know he's actually looking forward to this challenge. He's also talked about doing more stuff more stuff off the ball. And I'm curious to see, you know, how it how it all play play together. You know, we know he's a guy who wants the ball slow it down. Um, he wants the ball in his hands, but now you have Dan Tony, who's a very up and tempo guy, and he said he's ready to adapt to that. So now I want to see how he adapts to that, and I do think that he's going to have some increased, more shooting opportunities. I think, you know, he may get average more threes a game, and you, you, you I think his shooting percentage is going to suffer a little bit. But I'm curious to see what he has to add to his game and he's teased it that he has more to add but now i'm curious to see how he does it yeah i mean i'm gonna have to kind of ride your coattails a little bit on this because that's my same pick but i but i have a a much more philosophical reason for it i'm gonna say i'm gonna say that this season is pivotal to chris paul's legacy I, I honestly believe that. I, I think this is going to be kind of a make and break, make or break season for the way we view Chris Paul's career in, in the big picture. And he's kind of made moves that that kind of stake claim to that. He he's he's kind of put his chips out to the table. He he said, like, OK, I know it's not working here in L.A. I, I know that I'm capped here. And I need to go to this team now so that I can finally get to the point that I've been trying to get to, which is the third round, the NBA Finals, possibly a championship. And it's gonna be very, it's gonna be very interesting to see because he's he's come into a situation where he has to now share the ball. He's he's basically put it out, put himself out there. He's he's put himself in a situation where he has to sacrifice. He even bet on himself by opting in instead of going somewhere where he could have gotten ma- uh, you know, a max contract. He could have stayed on the Clippers and gotten that five-year deal, a deal he fought for, the type of contract he fought for as the president of the, of the Players Association. He gave all that up to go to this team now, and he's giving up being the, the primary ball handler all for the sake of finally trying to get to the third round, get to a conference finals, get to an NBA finals, even win a championship. So th- to me, there's a lot on the line this year for Chris Paul, first and foremost. Because, and, you know, he's a free agent after this year, too. That's the other thing. So a lot of what he's, a lot of regarding his legacy and also what he's going to do for the next few years in terms of his contract where he plays all of that kind of hinges on what happens this season at least to me it does i like your reasons uh, and 
and just to add to that a little bit, his legacy right now is one that we we know what he's capable of doing, but he's never done it in the big spot. Right, exactly. And, and now the fact that he's on Houston, and and while I'm gonna jump the gun a little bit, I think the the best case scenario for them could quite possibly be second, third seed in the West. And I think there's a possibility that we can even see them in the Western Conference Finals. So now you have him getting out of the first round and playing well in the playoffs and getting to that point where presumably they will be going against Golden State. Yeah. So if he if he's able to get to that point and put up a good series that would some that would help his legacy. Right now there's a lot of questions. Um you know, is he a regular season player? Right. Can he when it comes to the playoffs he's always banged up. There's always some other storyline behind it. Those are all the conversations around that. So I agree with you 100%. His legacy, that's a big question. And this move will definitely either help it or hurt it. Yeah. And uh, I'll just follow up since you already gave the uh, your most likely scenario for them where you think they'll end up. I'll give mine. Um, you know, because of all the questions I have, I don't see this team finishing top two or three. I think they're going to finish more like a four seed in the West. Um, but I do think they will do better in the playoffs. So I do think this is I I think they should be a the conf, a Western Conference finalist. I think they should be the team that ends up playing the Warriors. But see now, if they're a four seed, they can't because they're gonna only they they're only gonna be able to get to the second round and then they're gonna face the Warriors and get bumped. Oh, is this a foregone conclusion? Well, Warriors are going to be the number one seed, and I think they'll be. I think Houston will be the four seed. I mean, they're going to need and rightly should do everything in their power to finish higher, so they can avoid the Warriors until the the, the Western Conference Finals. But I just think with all of the adjustments this team's going to have to make, Harden learning to play with Chris Paul, Chris Paul learning to play with Harden, the the different the different nuances they're going to have to add to the offense now that Chris Paul is on the team. And let's not forget, this team is lacking depth now. Patrick Beverly's gone. Lou, Lou Williams is gone. Sam Decker is gone, etc. You know, who's going to be the backup point guard for this team? Who's going to be the backup small forward? Who's going to be... The guy who's going to be the guy that can step in when Ryan Anderson just is not looking good, you know, and they need a, they need another look out there. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys are unproven that we have. I mean, they have so many names on here that I've never I know I don't know I don't know who these guys are. You know, they've got one, two, three, four, five guys in their second year, two rookies, and I mean, all the guys that are coming into their second year have not played significant minutes, if any minutes at all, in the NBA. They've probably played some G League and maybe like some blowout games. And Eric Gordon, is Eric Gordon going to be just as good as he was last year? I think that's still an open question. Nope. I, I don't think, any, one, 
One is health. I don't think anybody should expect him to be as healthy as he was last year. And two, um, there's there's so with so many changes in the offense, is he gonna be able to still be as effective? I think there's gonna be a little there's gonna be some need for him to be more of a creator, at least with the second unit, than he than he had to be. Last year, he was just basically a catch-and-shoot guy all year. Can he do more? Can he go back to expanding his game? Can he stay healthy all year? I think those are all open questions. And, yeah. So you look at all that, and I'm concerned about their depth. I'm concerned about the the growing pains they'll have integrating, uh, you know, Chris Paul and and trying to make that backcourt of Paul and Harden work out. So with those things in mind, I feel like this is a team that might be better suited for the playoffs than the regular season, and then that's where I see that's why I see them falling more like a number four seed in the West. It's fair. All your reasons to me are, are valid, so I can't I can't knock it. And like I said, I, I I will say best case scenario will be two, but I can definitely see them somewhere between two and four. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, you know, teams got better. I mean, OKC got better. You know, they're they're not going to be a forty-seven win team again this year. They're going to be more closer to that fifty-five win range. You know, Warriors to the Warriors, Spurs. I mean, you can't count Spurs. You can't just assume Spurs are going to get worse this year. You should never assume the Spurs are going to get worse any year. And and teams like like we were just talking about last week with the Northwest. You got the T Wolves, the Blazers. The Thunder, the Nuggets, all those teams are probably going to be better this year. So those are those are wins you're not necessarily going to have like you had last year. Right. Yeah. So you got teams who got who got better, and so yeah, there's going to be some more competition here. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So that is the Houston Rockets, and I think that was probably going to be the the most highly debated team of of the of this preview. But now we go into discussing the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Memphis Grizzlies are a very interesting team. To me, they're at a team at a very pivotal and philosophical crossroads as a franchise. They they moved on from veterans like Zach Randolph and Vince Carter, but they, they're still relying on guys like Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley. They're hoping... Chandler Parsons has a pulse this year, and they're in this place where you don't know if they're ready to pack it in or if they're still trying to remain a playoff team. So, yeah, I would think they would try to be a playoff team, even though they don't look very good on paper. Yeah. Like you say, you still have Conley, you still have Gasol. So, yeah. who, do, who do you. Who's your Who's your X factor in this team? Man, uh, I guess it's gonna to me it's gonna be Tyreek Evans. Ah, good one. Yeah, Tyreek Evans. He he's coming out of the Pelicans now. He's moved over to the to the Grizz they brought him over this year for how much he's on a one year deal one year 3.3 mil so he's not making a ton of money but he is the type of player where if they're able to keep him healthy and he's able to 
you know, play that that two guard role alongside uh, Mike Conley, that can that has a bit of upside. So we'll have to see, but he and they need him to because if he can be like a starting quality two or even give them what Vince Carter was giving them last year, then I think they're in a in a good position and they got it for a very cheap contract. But he's gonna be my X factor. You know, can he can he kind of salvage his career here in Memphis? Or is this gonna gonna be another stop on his eventual descent into journeyman slash G League one year in the league another year? All right. So I'll just say that Tyreek was my my player who I look forward to watching. Oh, okay. I'll say that. Okay. Yeah, but before I go there, my X factor is gonna be Marcus All. Hmm. And the reason why I put him is because now he's going to have to take on more of a load. And before you had Zebo there, and for what it's worth, Zebo did a lot of the dirty work. As a lot of dirty work, he he scored, he, did. he got his rebounds, and now a lot of the attention is going to be on Gasol. And you're going to look at him and say, "All right, so you can give me 16, okay." You're giving me what? Seven rebounds? Mm-hmm. You're giving me uh, what? Five assists? That sounds all nice and all. Um, you're going to have to step that up a little bit. Especially, especially now without Zebo there. We're going to expect you to, you know, get closer to double digits and rebounds. We're, the assist. They can stay the same. We expect you to get 23, 24 points. This is the year I think he's going to have to take his game and step it up just a little bit more. Now, he he is an all-star, and he, he plays well. Now we're going to have to see, can he take that game and be that player for the Grizzlies? Yeah, I agree with you. He he definitely needs to take on more of the scoring load. There's a lot of unproven players on this roster where he's going to he's going to need to pick up the slack for. I mean, and Zebo did bring a very strong scoring presence as well as a rebounding presence to this team. So those are two things they're going to be hurting for and I mean, when you thought of like the grit and grind, it was it was Tony Allen, it was Zebo. You know, both those guys are gone. But Marcus Gasol was also another part of that because, I mean, he got Defensive Player of the Year. He's one of those guys that the numbers don't stand, don't jump out at you, but people kept saying like he was, you know, kind of like the foundation of this defensive first team. And now he's kind of like the last holdover of, like, you know, those grit and grind guys. He He's not like a he, – he, he's not a sexy player, as they say. He doesn't, like – jump out at you athletically or with with his uh with his game he's not a guy who's scoring a lot but he kind of needs to be right he opened his game up to the three-point line last year i think that might have hurt his defensive and rebounding a little bit though so we'll have to see if he can find a way to continue adding to his scoring while making up for the other things but 
you know, he had a career year last year, but it was also his age 32 season. So should we, like, be expecting for him to, for his numbers to keep going up at this point or to maybe start declining? And I think that's a fair question. It, it is a fair question. And, yeah, he's 32, and this is when you start to see that decline. But um, we have to – the question is, was – was Zebo eating into some of his his numbers, and now that the a lot of attention is going to be placed on him, and he's going to draw more double teams, and you mentioned he's going to tr- try to expand that game out to that three point line. I mean that's nice and all. I still want to see him pound it in the paint. Yeah. Um, and he's going to have to before he at least had Zebo down there. Now he's going to be down there, so he's going to have to pick that up a little bit. Um, if he doesn't, you know, you're focused, you're relying on players like Green and some other unproven players to pick that up. It'll be a long season. You know, hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully Conley plays well. He had a good season last season, and, and I'm hoping that he can keep that up. And Tyreek, you know, I think he still has a little bit in his tank. He's a good player. And I'm curious to see what he can bring to this dynamic on his team. Yeah, it's true. So let's let's get into the players we're looking forward to watching the most. Um, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Mike Conley. I'm going to go with Mike Conley on this because I want to see if he can you know, be this player people say he is. You know, he got a huge contract. I think I believe it was last summer. From the Grizzlies paid him a huge contract. They gave him the five-year max. And, you know, people keep saying, you know, he's just as good as almost any other point guard, any top point guard in the league that you can name. And I, I think he's still got to prove that. I mean, he hasn't made an all-star game yet in his career. Um, I mean, it's a loaded West, so that kind of, that doesn't necessarily mean anything in itself, but you know, he had, he, he's another guy. He had a career year last year, um, but he's going to be 30 this year. So, and he only played 69 games last year, you know, health, we're going to have to, we might have to start looking at health for him. He played 56 ga- games a year before, 69 games last year. His health is starting to trend towards the the wrong side. And he's going to have to be another guy who's a big scorer for this team. He upped his scoring last year. He's going to have to st- stay at that level or improve on it, too, because, you know, him and Marcus Gasol, that's basically it. That's their team. That... The Grizzlies invested in those two guys, and they let everybody else from those, those these perennial playoff teams kind of go. And now, especially with Chandler Parsons being hurt, like, forever, this is their team. Like, their team is Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley, and, and Mike Conley has to live up to his price tag this year. Maybe that's not fair. You know, you can you're, – you're only paid – what. What you're able to negotiate, and he was able to negotiate a good price, and and maybe we shouldn't hold him to to his contract, but I'm gonna look at it the other way and say, yeah, you should, because this team invested what 
30% of its salary cap on you, that means you have to be that good to that they can nickel and dime in other places and you still bring to the table what they need to be a playoff team. And everyone else in the West got better. And if if these guys, you know, if Mike Conley can't live up to that price tag, they're going to be in the worst place they could be, ninth or 10th, not good enough for the lottery, and not in the playoffs. Yeah. That contract he got was was, was surprising, and I, they, it kind of paid him for his loyalty. Yeah. I mean, and, they kind of had to give him that contract. Yeah. Because what were they doing if they didn't pay it to him? Right. So they had to give it to him. But like you mentioned, a guy who's never – <laughs> made an all-star team being in the west being i mean they're yeah the west is getting is it's a lot of point guards there so it's not looking too good for him yeah he's not making an all-star game again this year he's, but he's not, is he making any all nba teams well that's what i'm saying he might not make the all-star but he, he's got to get to a level where he's in consideration for all nba you know over who Exactly. Over yeah, who? I, I know, I know. Oh, there's not really a name you see where you can be like, yeah, he can jump that name. But he has to surprise us and jump that and, and you know, jump Lillard or jump Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie Irving. He needs to jump the, he, he needs to jump those names if they have a shot of making the playoffs. That he has to be that good. He has to. I think it's too late. Well, well then, you know, let's go into our most likely scenarios then, because you say you're you're the player you're looking forward to is Mark Gasol, right? Is that who you said? Yep. Or are your reasons similar to what I was saying about Mike Conley? Yeah. Yeah. So so let's get let's get into the most likely scenarios then. I I think this is like a ninth or tenth seeded team in the West, and they missed the playoffs. I think there's a ninth, tenth seed, and I think want I think come trade deadline, you know you're gonna hear a lot of rumors of them trading players. I don't think that that's not including Conley. No one wants that contract. Well, Marcus All is already they're already talking about Marcus All being a possible target for the Celtics. And I can see at the trade deadline. He, I think he's gone. Yeah. I think that's a guy who you'll find. Does that make sense, though? Does that make sense for Boston to trade for Marcus Hall? How many years he had left on his contract? Uh, I am not sure, but he's, like I said, he's 32. And you're going to be trading away. I mean, two years ago, he signed a five-year contract. So he has this season and two more years to go. But, um... Does it make sense? No. He has a it doesn't. And he has a player option for the 2019-2020 season. But that player option is for 25.6 million. So he's probably going to take that player option. Yeah, he's going to take it. I mean, he's going to be 35 at the time. Honestly, um I don't see why Boston I, I mean, I could I, see why Boston would do it. I don't agree with them. And I think they would be dumb. Uh, me personally, I think they would be dumb to do it 
So go ahead and do it, Boston. <laughs> you know, go ahead. But yeah, you you don't want a 35, 36 year old center making like almost 26 mil on on your cap. Right. I don't. I just, so, so you might hear his name, but that's the thing. Like, who's trade? Who's trading for? You talked about nobody wanting Conley contract, but who would trade for for Marcus Gasol's contract? Especially how tight everyone's salary caps all of a sudden became this past summer. It'll be Boston. That's probably the only team. I don't see any other teams out there who will want that contract. But if you ask any Boston fan, they're they're waiting for Anthony Davis to come into their into their plans. So. Why? Why blow oh. the chance to get Anthony Davis to trade for Marcus Gasol? Oh, because we're gonna we're gonna talk about that soon. Yeah, I mean, very shortly. We're, we're coming. We're gonna talk about that very soon. But you know, a team like Boston, you know, and every writer, every every fan is talking about how Mark Anthony Davis is like the next superstar that's gonna be up for grabs. And if you have the opportunity to get him, maybe you kind of keep your your powder dry waiting for for that option right yeah so grizzlies this is grizzlies they're kind of like the clippers like when we were talking about the clippers kind of their team is kind of locked in now with with blake with deandre and galinari this i in some ways i think grizzlies are even more locked in because you got that dead contract of, uh, in Parsons, and now you got Gasol and, and Conley who are going to be getting paid a lot of money into their early to mid-30s, and they're on a team that's just floundering right now and is in the worst possible place to be, and those contracts don't really look movable. They don't look movable, and they're going to be stuck with guys, you know, 34 35 and they're going to try to build around them and they're going to play well enough not to be at the bottom Mm -hmm. and so they're going to be in that ninth tenth range and so they're not going to get some of these studs coming out of the draft so it's going to be a tough position for them and it's going to it's going to be a tough couple years in my opinion for memphis I, i agree I mean, their base, their best case scenario is that they finish like tenth, but they somehow still win a top three pick in a lottery and leapfrog some other teams. Right. Uh, so that's the Grizzlies. Now let's move on to another depressing team, the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh boy. So the Pelicans, oh. they had kind of an interesting summer. They brought back Drew Holiday for a lot of money. I mean, that was. They they were they were kind of in the same position as the Grizzlies were with Mike Conley. You kind of have to pay him. If you don't pay him, who else are you gonna give them? Who else are you gonna pay? At least that's what I thought. But then they signed him to that big contract, that five year contract, I think it was. And then they signed Rajon Rondo as well. <laughs> so now it's a little confusing why they did what they did this summer and now they have this you know shadow this dark cloud over their heads regarding what's going to happen with boogie cousins they basically inherited the headache 
of do we do we max him or do we trade him from from the Kings? And depending what they do with Boogie and how things work this year, they're going to either next year or the year after start doing the same thing with Anthony Davis. So when we talk about the Pelicans, who's your X factor? Who's your X factor for the Pelicans this year, Leif? So for the X factor, I think a lot of it is going to fall, I'm going to say, on... I'm going to say Boogie. Mm. And they brought him in here for a reason. And it wasn't for him to just take up a a roster spot. They brought him in here to be that to to be the the side not even a sidekick, but to be that partner with Anthony Davis. And so now Cousins has that opportunity. He's in a different place. He's not in Sacramento. Sadly, Sacramento is getting better, and you know now he's in with the Pelicans. I'm curious to see whether or not they can start winning with those two players, and I think a lot of it is going to rely on Cousins. When when he came last season, we they had moments, and it almost made it seem like it could work. Yeah, there there was some high points. Yeah. Right, and it was like, okay, this could work. But I think they both struggled with getting the ball right. and like getting the ball to each other. There was no movement. It's like the ball stopped. And I think that kind of posed a problem. Yeah. And so can Cousins now be that, that compliment to Davis, that's my X factor. I mean, that's a good X factor. That's a good question too, because I mean, honestly, if if I'm if I'm Boogie, I might be saying, why do I have to be the sidekick to Anthony Davis? Why why aren't we at least entertaining the thought that maybe Anthony Davis should be my sidekick? And right, I mean, we. Universally, people accept that Anthony Davis is the better player. But if you're DeMarcus Cousins, and if you look at his numbers, he's been like statistically like the best big man in the last for the last couple of years. And you you can say, well, you know, why isn't this where I? And he's older. He is older than than Davis. So you know, when you're talking about personalities, that plays a factor too. You know. Cousins might be saying, you know, why why can't I be one A? Why why does it have to automatically be that I'm one B or number two? Maybe he doesn't care about that, but I think he might. And it's it's gonna be. I think the the biggest reason he's an X factor is do the Pelicans win or winning or losing? Do the Pelicans just decide to trade him anyway because they don't want to pay him long term? Yeah. I mean, they could have a 500 record and still trade him because they don't want to lose him for nothing. And then does he become the guy you'll see on Boston? I mean, that's that's been a that's been a potential spot for a while now for him. But Boston seemed to have no interest in him when his name was on the trade table before. I, I don't think anything changed since then. 
if anything, they probably like their team even more, so they don't really feel the need to to break things up and and throw Cousins in the mix. Maybe if they were 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 scuffling with some of their moves, they they might have just bit the bullet and, and traded for him because they needed they needed to do something big. But I they're not in that position right now, so I think they have even less reason to want to entertain that. Right, fair enough. Yeah. So so that's your X Factor. My 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 X Factor is gonna be Drew Holiday. They gave him the big contract this year. He he's a good player. He he's a really solid guy. He he is one of he, he, I mean, I don't want to say he's one of the better point guards in the league, but he is not bad point guard at all. He he probably has room to to grow. I mean, he's only twenty seven. I, I didn't even realize that. Heck, he's still only twenty seven years old. So he's wow. ju- he's just entering the peak of his career now. So. That's the thing, but they've also brought in Ray Rondo, and Rondo is a point guard. That's the only thing he is. That's the only thing he could be. He do, he's not a shooter. He's he can he's not much of a scorer. The whole reason you bring Rondo in is to play point guard, to be a passer, facilitator, and to play defense. So that means Drew Holiday is gonna have to play off ball. And so that's why he's my X factor. Can he come in now, especially after this big contract, play differently, play off ball, play with Rondo, be more of a scorer, off the ball shooter type of player, and and start playing up to that contract and being like a number two or third best player on this team? Because he, I mean, he right now talent wise, he's the third best player on this team. So can he get to a point where? He's just not by default the third best player, but he's a legit third option even if this was a good team, a competitive team. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So, and he's going to have to do that playing a different role. So, instead of looking for him to, you know, maybe get up to 8 or 9, even 10 assists this year as as a big time player, we're going to have to see if he can jump that scoring from 15 to like 18, 19 points per game. And and that way they can get enough scoring just from Davis Cousins and Holiday alone. So he's my X factor. Can he do it? I'm not sure he can. I think there's potential for it, but he's going to have to play a much different role. He's going to have to be more of a C.J. McCollum on this team than the player he's been up till now. Yeah. He's gonna have to be, yeah. I can see what you're saying. That's fair. Yeah. So, so that's my X factor. Uh, who's the player you're looking forward to most uh, on this team? To to watching the most. All right, Davis is simple. Boogie simple. I want to see Rondo. Unless you Rondo. He is the mercurial man on this team. Yeah, and. I want to see whether or not he can bring that veteran um, leadership to the team. He was able to do that in Chicago, and he said all the right things. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty pretty amazing. And he now he lands on this team, and some of the same issues that we discussed would be a problem in terms of um, Boogie and Davis trying to get the ball, and somehow they need the ball in their spots. I think Rondo solves a lot of those problems. 
where, you know, he needs the ball. He can feed it into Davis. Davis has an issue, passes back out to Rondo, then he can swing it over to they need that kind of a guy. And I think Rondo can be that guy. The only question that we have for Rondo is whether or not he is going to look for that assist, which we know he likes to look for, and whether or not he can keep those guys involved. If he can keep those guys involved, keep them, keep feeding them, and is able to do the little things off the ball, have a, a really good season. And I'm not saying that he's going to be an all-star, not by not saying that at all, but I think he can be a difference maker. Okay. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Uh he he's gonna he's gonna be an interesting player to see on there on that team, see how he fits, see how he plays with them. And if he may I mean, can he be like a, a veteran presence on this team? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of funny to think about when you think of kind of the locker room problems he's had. But, you know, he is the elder statesman on this team. Um, he is the guy that has been there, done it. And if they have any hopes of being a playoff team this year, they they're going to probably need his, his guidance and leadership in order to do that. Right. So that's a good one. The, the person I'm looking forward to seeing, I mean, it's a no-brainer, but I'm going to go with it. Um, I'm going to go with Anthony Davis, and I'm going to go with Anthony Davis because I, I want to see, again, kind of like with Kawhi Leonard, is this going to be an MVP caliber season from him? Are we going to talk be talking about him in the MVP race? Because he has all the tools to do it. Um, he has he has some help. He I mean he doesn't have a great team, but talent wise he has more talent than he's probably ever had before uh, on the Pelicans. I mean he's got Demarcus Cousins. He's got hopefully a healthy Drew Holiday. He's got Rajon Rondo. He hasn't had this quality of player playing beside him before. He's kind of just had like Drew Holiday and a bunch of cast off and misfits. Even the year they went to the playoffs, so. So that's why that's what I want to see. Is he is he gonna hit that peak where he is just so good that he's just carrying whatever team is around him into a playoff berth? I the thing with Davis to me has always been health, right? And the beginning of last season, I mean, he was putting up video game numbers. That first game was amazing. Yeah, and then it was just health. And well, he had his healthiest season last year. He did. It didn't feel and that way, but it, he ended up playing 75 games last year. Right. And, and and that's the thing, though. It's like he still played 75 games, and but it was like it was constant. It was lingering injuries, yeah. and it was constant questions. Will he? Won't he? You know, he's day-to-day. It was a lot of those things. He did have a healthy season. Right. So... Can he do that for the course of the season? Right. And can he take that game to that, keep that game at that level in which he showed? Now, it's not that those first couple of games he had, it's impossible. I think that's not possible, especially with Cousins there. Um, so, but I still think he's going to be an all star. I still think he's gonna, he's a superstar. I, I still think a lot of people is going to want to see what he can do. And I think it's a good player to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. And and his numbers, he can put up those video game numbers like you were saying. 
And I think he's going to have to. I mean, even though Cousins is there too, I think he's still going to have to put up crazy numbers, especially if they have any chance of being a playoff team. And, and they're gunning for the playoffs. That's why they brought back Drew Holiday. That's why they signed Rondo. They, they're they hoping to be a – I mean, that's why they made the trade for Cousins. I think – I mean, they were trying to sneak into the playoffs last year, but I think – Overall, they were doing that with the thought of hopefully we could sneak into the playoffs this year, but definitely make the playoffs next year when they made that trade in February. So now here it is. It's next season. You know, you're going to have a full season of Cousins. You're going to have a full season of Davis, a full season of Holiday, and you got Rondo. You know, can you make the playoffs with that? It, it remains to be seen. Um, so, so what's your most likely outcome for this team? Uh, I think ninth. Okay. I'm not yeah. hopeful of this team. I, I I don't have high hopes. After even though I said everything I did said about Anthony Davis, while I want to see if that happens, I don't believe it will happen. I think this team finishes like eleventh, maybe even twelfth wow. in the West. That bad? Yeah, and. And I think I think they trade Cousins by the deadline. Oh yeah, I think Cousins is out of here. Yeah, I, I think they trade him, and once they trade him, I think the clock begins on Anthony Davis. Uh, yeah, I think so. It, I kind it kind of has to, um, whether whether they trade him or not, you know. Once they trade Cousins, that's all everyone's going to be talking about after that. Like, to in general, that's going to be the other shoe people are waiting to drop, basically. Um, because they haven't done anything really competent in terms of building a contender this whole time they've had Davis. I mean, this is going to be the sixth season they've had Anthony Davis. And they snuck into the playoffs once in once. those five years before that. Once. Yeah. So, you know, at a certain point, they're just not doing anything with him, and he's going to want out. You know, but, you know, it was really, you know, you got to hand it to, you know, David Stern making sure he found an ownership group to keep that team in New Orleans, right? Good thing he did that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, uh, so let's keep it moving. Let's go to the last team in the Take in the <laughs> in the Southwest Division. Uh, basketball reasons. Anyway, <laughs> the last team in the Southwest Division. And I mean, they'll probably be the last team in the division again. Is is the Dallas Mavericks? The Dallas Mavericks. They finished. It's the worst season they had in a few years, um, but it brought some hope. They got a very promising rookie in Dennis Smith Jr. Um, their free agent signing, Harrison Barnes, showed some promise as a, as a go-to scorer, and they found some nice players through the G League, through some 10-day co- player contracts, and Yogi Ferrell and Seth Curry. Um, and they they have some they have some interesting guys, um, but at the same time, 
you know, we'll still we'll still see. They have some youth. They got Dennis Smith Jr. They got Nerlens Noel. They got Harrison Barnes. But let's just move forward and the the players we're looking at this year. Uh, who's your X factor for the Mavs this year? I'm gonna say Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. And this is he has the potential to take over this team. This this could potentially be his team. Um, Dirk signed again. But um, if he continues to play well and if he can take his game to the next level, he can this can be his team. And so as a if this team is going to do anything, it's going to have to involve him as a major contributor. Right. Yeah. Very very true. Um I like that. I like Barnes. I've always liked Barnes. Been a fan of his. He he had a great season last year. Uh, averaged about 19 points per game. Really surprised me with what he was able to do with the ball in his hands. I thought he was kind of a, a catch and shoot guy only or a cut to the basket guy. But he actually was able to put the ball on the floor last year and actually create his own shot, which I think was a was a was a nice surprise to see from him. Yeah, and and, and that's and that's the thing that I. Didn't expect that at all. And maybe part of that was what we saw when he was on Golden State. Mm-hmm. And so we expected that kind of play. But when we think about it, I mean, that's what he was asked to do. Yeah. Now when you're in Dallas, they want you to create more of your shot. You have more opportunity to put the ball in your hands and to drive the ball and to create your own shot. And now he has even more opportunities. So mm-hmm. can he do it? And yeah. he showed he can. Now let's see if he can get more consistent and do it on a more of a nightly basis and complement the rest of the players who are there and get them involved at the same time. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be crucial if he can repeat last year's performance, maybe be a little more effective, be a little bit more um, able to translate that into wins for the team. I think you know then you're really looking at something. Um, so that's a good pick. I mean, he's one of those guys. When you talk about um, betting on yourself, believing in yourself, he's one of those guys. He he chose to you know take that payout and and be a number one guy versus staying in a, on a championship situation. And you know, to his credit, I think he added things that weren't in his game. Like I, he didn't have. I don't think he had that in his game before. But he took on the challenge of being a, a go-to scorer and, and added these elements to his game. So I think it's going to be interesting if he's able to repeat that performance, maybe even improve upon it. You know, I don't, I mean, we'll get into it later. I don't expect much from this team this year, but if he's able to show those things, they've got money coming off the books next year. So it'll be interesting to see if, who they can bring in to pair with him. And he maybe he can become a nice number two option behind a, a true superstar if they're able to get one moving forward. Yeah. So... That's a good one. My X factor is Nerlens Noel. <laughs> Nerlens Noel, because to say he's had a bit of a tumultuous summer would be an understatement. He was expecting a nice contract. Dallas offered him a contract, of a pretty pretty sizable one, but him and his agent didn't like it. Now he has to accept the the qualifying offer and kind of just bet on himself and hope that he can play well enough to earn that contract but the way things are going is probably not gonna be with the Dallas Mavericks and 
it's really interesting because you looked at Dallas. They made that trade. It was a great trade for Dallas. They they really didn't give up much, if anything, at all for him. And when and when they when they made that trade with Philly, um, he is kind of a knucklehead. He's had some problems off the court, um, and I think some of that knucklehead mentality played out in the contract discussions this this summer. But he's also a guy that seems to be everything they've been looking for for the last few years. I mean, they tried to get Howard. They couldn't get Howard. They tried to get DeAndre Jordan. They couldn't get him. They were looking for this rebounding defensive force who can just run up and down the court. And now they have him. And it remains to be seen if he's still going to play for them after this season. So I just find it very fascinating, and I also feel like he has to show out this year. He has to be a double-double type of guy. He has to show that he is valuable in this modern NBA because part of the reason why the Dallas was able to play hardball with him is because n- nobody else really made a—nobody put out an offer sheet for him, even though he's a restricted free agent. And people just aren't that interested in throwing that kind of money out uh, on centers anymore. So he, he really has to establish himself more as a player um, that teams are going to want if he wants to get the contract he's looking for next summer. Right. He's a, he's a scrappy player. He's, and he did a lot of the, the dirty work. He, you know, he, he's able to get, his, get rebounds and he's able to block shots. He is able to get out from under the, paint, under the basket and defend players all over. The, you know, so those are the things he's able to do. But people don't want to pay for that. So, yeah. and it was clear. Yeah. And when he went to Dallas, he had a couple of good games. But overall, it was very lackluster. Mm-hmm. So, no one was paying for that. And I'm not surprised that he didn't get that contract from other teams. Um, he, I guess he thought he was going to get a payday. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. And now he has to play. And let's see if he's mature enough to work hard to earn his money or whether or not he's going to get there and just be lazy. And if he's lazy, then, you know, you're going to see it. You're going to see him get, I mean, get benched a little bit. He's going to get very frustrated and you just might see him trade it off again. There's still the possibility of that. I'm not sure who wants him, but. Right. I, that could be a possibility too. So, that's my X factor. Who's the player you're looking forward to watching most this year? Uh, Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. That's easy. That's, that's well, easy. What yeah. you looking forward to watching about with him? A guy. He's a guy who got who went down the draft due to injuries, um, but he has a very high ceiling, very high motor. We saw some good things, a lot of good highlights, and I think that's the point guard that the Mavs needed and again doing saying all the right things doing all the right things he's a player that you can get behind and there isn't much competition um yeah you can talk about Yogi you can talk about some of those other Berea and and think Devin Harris still there all those point plethora of point guards they have on that team but if if they know what they're doing they would give him an opportunity to play and earn minutes and I think the fans are really gonna like him. Yeah, I, I agree. I like I like what um I like what I saw from him in summer league. I think he's he's gonna be, you know, their their point guard of the future. I think he's gonna be a player they can build around. 
Um, I kind of have two players I'm looking forward to watching. But my first one is Dirk because this might be his final season. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Dirk, if he's a, still played at a high level before he calls it quits. He's he's a, he's a rare breed. I mean, Kobe's gone, Duncan's gone. Now you know Dirk is like the last guy from that from that era, and who's played on the same team his whole career. And he's kind of he's kind of the end of a dying breed, basically. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play one more year, and you know just appreciating having Dirk on the court again, even if it's la- his last season. That's a fair one. So, I like it. Yeah. And uh, and my other one is Seth Curry. I'm looking forward to Seth Curry. Most importantly, because I feel like he finally found a home in the NBA with Dallas. Um, I know there's going to be some some crunch for minutes, but I, there, I think there's a lot of minutes available at the two-guard spot. I know he's not a traditional two-guard, but a lot of teams don't use traditional two-guards anymore. I mean, there's very few, like, legit you know, six five, six six two guards in the league these days. So I, I I think in Dallas he's kinda of found a place he can stick. And I'm wondering, you know, if he gets if he had with that confidence now without bouncing around anymore and getting a consistent amount of minutes, if he can, you know, if he can, you know, not necessarily have a Steph Curry level season, but a Dell Curry season, I think is well within reach here. And if he can do that, I think that would be very. I think that's another interesting player they have to build uh, for the upcoming seasons. Uh, you can never have enough shooting, and he's one of those guys that if you give him the ball, he can shoot it at a pretty elite level. I mean, he shot forty-two percent last year. I mean, I mean, shooting is just in this family's blood. So if you give him the shot attempts, they can make it happen. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do now that he has a home in Dallas. I like both your choices, and and Seth Curry is definitely one who's gotten gotten found a nice home. He had a, a good season last season. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing what he's able to do this year. Yeah, and I'm also looking forward to seeing, you know, will he be in the three-point contest this year? Will his brother be in it? Will they go back and forth? You know, who would win that? I'm looking forward to seeing stuff like that now that he has a set home in the NBA. Yeah, that's true. So where do you see this team ending? In the, what's their most likely scenario? Most likely scenario, of course, is out of the playoffs. Um, I think they're going to have some stretches where they play well. And I can see them somewhere in the bottom 5, 16 in the league. Yeah, I think that might happen. I think they may want. I think they might want that to happen, too. I mean, this is going to be a a good draft for them to do that in. Um, So... I mean, we talk. They got a lot of interesting players. They have a lot of potential, but at the same time, I think they're gonna want to be bad this year. Maybe not on purpose, but they have some. They have things that can offset the the blow for the fans. Like they're gonna see Dirk's presumably Dirk's farewell tour this year. They're gonna see Dennis Smith um, and whether he can fulfill his potential this year. They got young players like. Seth Curry, like Harrison Barnes, these can be guys to build the future with. And they have things to be hopeful hopeful for while allowing their team to take some lumps and be bad this year and, and get another high draft pick, which maybe they compare with a, with an interesting signing this upcoming summer. Yeah. 
So I I I mean this we're 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 saying they're gonna finish bad, but I think there's a lot of positives to this to the to this season coming up because they have the young players because they have the potential for another high impact draft pick to come in and for the opportunity to you know say that they had Dirk for his t- entire career as a Mav I think those are all special things and I, th- I think they can they can live off that and I think this is a team that can be very dangerous and interesting um next summer depending what they do and who they get yeah, I mean, even though, like you said, they're not may not do well. They might try to try to say win it for Dirk or something like that. They're gonna have some good games. It's gonna be a farewell tour. It, it, it's 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 gonna be a fun season. You're gonna have stuff to watch. You're gonna have to you're gonna watch Dirk. You, you're also gonna see him a few times. You know, turn back the hands of time a little bit in some of his his play. He's gonna have some good games, and you're also gonna see a lot of young players. And these are young players who are going to be on this team, hopefully for a long time. So if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, you you should be good. You're not going to win. You're not going to win a lot of games. But you can definitely see that the team is committed to putting a, a good team on the floor. And they are going to have some players there who you're going to be able to grow with. Agreed. Agreed. Well, that's the Southwest division, man. I, I, think, uh, I think this was good. So we're... We're finally wrapped up with the Western Conference. Uh, how do you feel about the Western Conference overall after we covered all these divisions? It's a strong conference, and it only gotten stronger. And I believe if we start to see, if we see this deal that we're expecting with, with Melo, that it's going to be even an even stronger division, or a conference, rather. So, the yeah, the Western Conference is, is stacked. Yeah, and there's a there's a lot of storylines. There's a lot to look forward to, and I think the Western Conference, you know, is still gonna be better than the Eastern Conference. I think you'll oh, yeah. that as well. Oh yeah, definitely, so. definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at this this conference, and I mean, I know I know we didn't prepare this ahead of time, but I'm just gonna run through my my one through eight, and that make the playoffs real quick. So I, I'm gonna say. Warriors, OKC two, Spurs three, Rockets four. I'm gonna say Clips at five, Blazers at six, and man, 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 man. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say T Wolf seven, and Nuggets eight. Hmm. Hmm. I gotta, I gotta think about that a little bit. Um, I would definitely the T Wolves. Only I think I will flip the. I'll put the Blazers five, and I'm going to put the Clips. Actually, no, I'll keep the Clips five and put the Blazers six. I think the Kings are gonna sneak in a little bit. I don't know why. You still got. You still mm, okay. I mean. I don't know. I feel like the Kings can do it. I'm curious. So I got to think about it some more and really put it down. I, I'm just going off the top of my head. Yeah, I know. But, we didn't prep it, but since we're finishing, this was the last team in the West. I thought we, I just throw out those those one through eights uh, to, to wrap up the Western Conference. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, Jazz. I think you just miss it. Grizzlies, 
I think it's going to be a tough year for you guys. Pelicans going to be tough, I think, for you guys as well. Mm, but a lot, lot of things to, to be seen. But So that's the Western Conference. And so next week we're going to be starting with the East. And I think we're going to start with the Southeast Division and work our way up that way. Sounds good. Let's so, do it. Sounds good. So want to thank everybody for listening. Again, this is uh, the third part in our NBA season preview series. We're trying to get through all the divisions before the preseason starts. Um, if you haven't heard of our Pacific Division and Northwest Division, you can go back. You can check out. You can check out. Check it out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Overcast. Um, we're uh, we're on all those different uh, podcast apps. Uh, feel free to pick your poison, as they say. And thank you for listening. You got any other thoughts, share them with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the sideline reporter. Um, you know, go ahead and follow us on Twitter as well, at the SL reporter. You know, can tweet at us any questions you have there. And we're going to try and do some other things this this. Uh, this year, we're going to try and do some new things, see what we can do, and hopefully keep it entertaining for everybody. Yeah, I agree. And I tell everyone, just keep listening. And, you know, we got, like you said, we got some things coming. Yeah, so thank you guys for checking us out once again. This has been the Pace in Space podcast. And good night. Later. <laughs>